everybody for joining us today. This is Movie to Beer, and my name is Dan Kapersky, and today we have our awesome co-host with us. You got Blake, your sand expert. You got Randall, the Dune enthusiast. Yay, yay. Uh, also known as Dune enthusiast. Dune, Dune enthusiast. There you go. That's they right. Were making up words and making them happen. They're, they're called Blake, Blake, or Toe. Dang it. <laughs> I, I have, I'll go find out. I have it written down. <laughs> Blake Mantos. That's what they are. There you go. <laughs> Since our last episode, we've had fantastic beers, haven't we? Yes, Dan, we have. you have a shout out? I do have a shout out. Uh, I want a big shout out to Wayfinder, who we just recently talked about their beers. Uh, <laughs> they dropped a Time Spiral, which is a Munich style dunkel, but it's double decocted. So it's really classic, smooth, and wet, but it also dries out a bit on the back. And, and how's it? How's it when the acid taps hit? It's really yeah. good. It's it's their their cans look kind of funky and mm-hmm. you know look like you're on a trip. But yeah, they're one of the few breweries here in Portland, Oregon that do double decoction of anything. It's just a, a very expensive and time intensive process. That's kind of the older school way of making beer. You know, I want to make sure I heard it right. Double decoction. Yes, double decoction. Okay. So cool. What what they. <laughs> Older breweries, because... I don't know how to follow up. It, it was really hard to kind of... The, you could measure... I mean, thermometers haven't been around really that long, but beer making has been around, or fermenting has been around a long time. So when you're making your mash, or you have your grains, and you bring it up to a certain temperature and let it rest for a little bit to kind of get the sugars and the proteins and the things, the enzymes out of it that you want, you can heat up a part of that, boil it, and then use that to take it up to the next temperature instead of having all of your mash be raised at the temperature at once. So you're saying that they did the mash. They did the mash. It was the brewery mash? Yes, yeah. and there's typically, the, the traditional way is a three-step process, a, a triple decoction, but they do a double, just they do two steps, and hmm. they include some of the rest temperatures. And it's it's very common in, like, Germany and Czechoslovakia and, and all the, you know, European-style beers. A lot of older breweries still use this method and not, or what's called a heated step infusion mashing cool. process. That sounds awesome. It's a lot of information. And, you know, so basically when you make beer. <laughs> As Randall, I stare glass-eyed like, uh-huh. Yeah, right over my head. So when you make <laughs> cool, beer, cool. You, you, you have a bunch of grain and you put it in water at a certain temperature. You let it sit for a while. Mm, and that sounds like, either, it sounds like black magic. I don't like it. And then you have to, then you, you, you basically take the grains out in whatever method you're using. Mm-hmm. And then once you get to the boil temp, then you add your hops. And then you boil it for however long you're going to boil it for your hops, an hour, two hour, whatever. And then you cool it down and then add your yeast at a certain temperature. And then hmm. you let it sit in ferment. That's It's basic. There's four steps. It's not hard. But when you do fancier or older style brewing where they didn't have a lot of control over the temperature, but they knew they needed to, they somehow figured out, hey, if I let it sit at 145 degrees for 30 minutes or an hour or two hours and then raise it up another 10 degrees well how are you going to do that so you boil a bunch of water or take a portion of the mash boil it in another pot and then add it back in that raises the temp a little bit Hmm, nice and so that removes some of the the off flavorings or Mm -hmm. there's a lot of fancy words i could go into but (laughs) we're not going to do that because it, it just goes over my head too how long do you think it took them to figure that out uh, like how, many, how, like many, how many attempts? Lots of attempts. But like, once they figured it out, everybody was doing it. They're, they're like, doing, hey, they're doing the brewery mash. Yeah, it's like, hey, we're going to try this now. and Or it was done by accident or serendipity. It just happened by I, accident. I love that stuff when it happens on accident. Oh, it's ruined. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, it actually this is phenomenal. Out, it made it a lot better. So, yeah, so on this episode, we're going to have a discussion about Dune, which 
has been in different versions and variations. There's Jodorowsky's Dune, which was a documentary. This filmmaker tried making mm-hmm. an attempt at doing it. didn't happen. Then they did. Uh, they replaced him with... David Lynch, David Lynch. And it actually got made, but it was really complex Boy, confus- and confusing. I, I actually really liked that one growing up. And there's been a TV spinoff series, a short miniseries. Yeah, William Hurt, I think, was in it. Yeah. He's, he's terrific. There's, there's been a lot done. And then, of course, they decided to remake it. But this remake uses a lot of newer practical effect mixed with real live. They didn't do it on a soundstage with a green screen. They did it on site. They went to Arrakis. They went to Arrakis they, and filmed They traveled it. to Arrakis with they, Elon's they ship. They folded they, space and time. Yeah. yeah, they said they used like... 35 tons of sand and dirt during the filmmaking. Good it was Lord. It, yeah, well, also it, known as Spice. Also <clears throat> known as Spice, yeah. So, Denise Villeneuve. So, he's he actually was given the prize as director of the decade by the Hollywood Critics Association over the because two, of this? 2010 to 2020 um, time frame because he did Prisoner, Sicario. He did Arrival. Sicario? He did oh, Sicario. Sicario. He did Arrival and got uh, Academy Award for Best Director for Arrival. And he also then, got double decocted. He did. And then he did Blade <laughs> Runner 2049. And that's what I think most people Dang. think is the biggest, like, that was huge. And the visuals of that matched so yeah. closely to the first movie, first Blade Runner. I loved it. Wait, who who did Blade Runner 2049? He did. Villa Villeneuve. No, he didn't. He did, too. Don, Donnie Vanilla. I thought that was uh, um, Ridley? Ridley Scott. Wasn't no. that Ridley Scott? I have he, no idea. He probably had a, a role in it, but, I mean, unless wow. IMDb's wrong. But that could be true. Oh, I think you know what was what it was was uh, Ridley Scott wanted to do the new Blade Runner twenty forty nine. But he, what was he? What did he end up doing? He was was it Prometheus was coming around that time or yes? Yeah, he was, was he was Prometheus? double booked or something. Yeah. Dang! Oh man, which is pretty amazing to have that many good films to do. Yeah, the Frank Herbert novel came out, and and we were talking briefly before we uh, started recording about the impact that the attempt to make the first film had on you know, basically sci-fi in general. People yeah, how, people in how, the movie industry weren't really willing or able to try and do anything new or exciting and take a risk in doing sci-fi. There had been sci-fi films, obviously, since the 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s, but nothing, nothing of the big budget variety. What do you think is the riskiest sci-fi film you guys have ever seen? The film, the, the, the sci-fi film that's just, you, you went into it like, and you left like, what the hell was that? Primer? Primer was weird. That was a super I don't know weird how much of a risk Primer it was because it looked like it was made on less than a, than a shoestring budget. And it yeah, was. it was made on a credit card. They like yeah. applied for a credit card and made, made an amazing <laughs> film. Oh uh, my gosh. What's the sci-fi film you guys keep coming back to that you will watch over and over again? You're number uh, one. For me, I think it's in um, Christopher Nolan makes a good sci-fi film. Interstellar? Yeah. I could have seen Christopher Nolan do Dune. Interstellar was great. Because I, I worked in a store that was connected to a, a movie theater and mall. And you could tell when it got to a certain scene, she'd be in the break room and just hear, Because <laughs> he loves his slow bass. Was that a worm? Yes. <laughs> yeah, it was a it's like, oh, and there's that scene. All yeah. right. So I, um, I don't know. That's a tough call. The Fifth Element? Fifth Element was That's pretty good. That's the only good. sci-fi movie yeah. I consistently yeah. watch over and over. If, if I'm channel surfing and it's on, I will stop at that one. Yeah. Yeah. For me, if it's if it's the Matrix, if the Matrix is on TV yeah. or I'm watching, I'll always just like stop and just watch it. So so I'm, I'm so excited the for the one. new one. Yeah. yeah, it's coming out a couple of weeks for, now. For me, it's mostly series, and usually sci-fi needs to have a big dollop of comedy. Like I could watch Futurama mm. 
for like 24 hours straight. I love that so much. Lower Decks, the CBS animated oh, show. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, but I've never watched Star Trek. I But I love this. You don't have to have watched Star Trek because yeah. they explain everything simply. Poor Dan can attest to this. I also love the sci-fi comedy podcast, Mission to Zix. Yes. <laughs> because, which uh, Bino also loves. Yes. We should definitely the bend fun. one of these episodes, one of these series. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Simultaneously. The Dune novel... Did you guys read the Dune novel? I found it a bit dry. Has anybody here actually read it? I've tried reading it. No one's read the damn novel. (laughs) I've read it. I made my great dry joke. I haven't read it either. You've read it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, nice job. I read it back in high school. All thousand pages. Yeah, it took a while. (laughs) It's a big, thick book. I used to have a great reading chair back in uh, in my youth, and it it eventually had to go to the dump. Oh, man. I read Anna Karenina in that thing. I read all the George Orwell books that were out. All it, for school, but yeah. in the Hodorowski film uh, documentary about his Dune, mm-hmm. uh, there was like a running joke that like no one's actually read the book. <laughs> yeah, it's too long. But so many great artists came from from his vision of what he wanted to make, and so that's yeah. an H.R. Geiger. Wasn't Salvador H. Dali Geiger, involved? Yeah. Dali Salvador was, Dali wanted to be involved. Orson yeah. Wells. Yeah. yeah. Um, when he's when he's not drunkenly animal. rambling about peas. <laughs> All right, so what did you guys love about this version of Dune? The visuals. The visuals, definitely. It was was paced properly. Mm -hmm. They didn't rush through anything really, really fast. Having seen the TV spinoff miniseries and Mm -hmm. the the first film that was put out, I felt the first, and I've watched it now three times. You've watched this this Dune three times. Dune three times. But you couldn't spend time to watch the documentary. (laughs) Get him, Randall. <laughs> Damn it, Dan. <laughs> I, 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 it's Do your homework, Dan. I, 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 like I said, I've seen part of it. But the the visuals and there's some really interesting commentary videos and breakdowns that you can see on mm-hmm. YouTube. And I'd highly recommend seeking some of those out to get a better understanding. I watch some of the ones that break down the history of Dune. Like, what's the real purpose behind what's happening? Mm. There's a lot of political stuff. The women witches, as they're referred to... What is what's their tribe? What's their they have a tribe of witches? What what are they called? In Bean Gezeret? is that that? Benny Gezeret. Benny Gezeret. Yes. So they're actually pulling all the strings. The mom talks about it for just a moment. Mm-hmm. We've been trying to create by genetic crossbreeding a super a superior being, being a man, because they have more in touch with the ability and power. Really and what do said, we get? I thought you said Bean for a second. No. I was like, yeah, Beano. And what do we get? A skinny white kid. A skinny white kid <laughs> with long streaming it hair. It took us thousands of years to crossbreed. When, pre- when previously we had Kyle MacLachlan. Kyle. <laughs> too close to the sun. Yes. Oh, man. He's such a great actor, though. He's, he's amazing. I, he's, I, I love him. I, I Portlandia. Think, oh, he's yeah. great. I love both of the F- Dune films for different mm-hmm. reasons. Yes. Uh, yeah. Very different reasons. I feel like that's reasons. a fair call. Yeah. Yeah. This one, because of the pacing, the visuals, and we briefly talked a little bit already about... The practical effects that they used, there is a ton. They used like 35 tons of, of sand and dirt to blow through the scenes to right. make it realistic. And then they digitally enhanced it. So there's digital enhancement throughout the whole thing. Obviously, the spaceships and people, you know, floating down. From, whoa, whoa, uh, whoa, whoa, know, whoa, 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 whoa. The ships aren't real? There's no. So, but not real like Transformers. Transformers are real, but these ships are like. I'm about to learn a lot of hard truths today. <laughs> yes, you are. So the other thing is, is the practical effect side of it is usually when they're doing these types of films that have people in vehicles that are moving, yeah. they actually don't have any glass. And they're actually moving that fast. These were filmed 
like they had helicopters that they then turned into these other kind of weird looking oh the what the dragonfly looking dragonfly things. looking things they had shot the actors in those scenes in an actual you know like a helicopter that size and they left the glass on so you all of the reflections are legitimate reflections from the set, from the stage that they were on, not a sound stage, but when they did those filming, they did it out in a desert. Yeah, if you're right, it's a, it's pretty safe to keep mm-hmm. those reflections in. If you're not going to see some key grip and yes, exactly, <laughs> it's those it's those imperfections. It's the imperfections of doing practical effects that makes mm-hmm. those movies so amazing. And right, it's the light. We've yeah. lost the, that the Most moving shadows today, yeah. on the face. I mean, and, right. and they they did a lot of comparison to a lot of the MCU films that have come out where right. it's all green screens. Yeah, the exact same kind of lighting on someone's face as they're running away from an explosion. I mean. Come on, be realistic. It's not going to look like that, but that's what they make. And they are, they're okay with suspending that belief that it's okay. It doesn't, it, it should not look like that, but it does because we, we want yeah. it to look like that. You're saying the MCU wants it to look like that. Yes. Yeah. It's their style. It's, it looks like it's, a comic book. It looks like a comic mm-hmm. book and that's how those are done. They, you know, it's a flat. It's also a lot TV. cheaper. It is. It's a lot cheaper. And you know, that's the thing about a lot of these Hollywood movies is that it's got to be cost effective. The, Especially when they were spending as much yep. money as they were on uh, Robert Downey Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they will never repeat the 1984 Dune mistake. Let's hope not. Yeah. The cool thing is, if you know a little bit about the book or you do any of these backstory videos on YouTube yeah, that you yeah, can yeah. get information on, it's politically driven. So you have the Bene Gesserit are pulling the strings of each of the major houses within this you know, 10,000-year-old, I guess you would say, empire. Not to be confused with the other empire, another sci-fi film. That's also a Christian allegory yeah, and yeah. has somebody <laughs> on the hero's quest to become the Messiah, which we're not going to talk about that other film because that would be kind of lame to talk about both at the same it's time. It's a little rude. Yes. <laughs> There's a lot of mirroring that happens with the storytelling and the hero's journey and the guy becoming a savior of everyone. What'd you guys not like about the movie? Would you guys, I mean, what did Metacritic give this or Rotten Tomatoes give this? They, uh, I, I don't have it. This is more with the book, but I forgot how silly some of the names are. Yeah, the they, name I, I forgot can, yeah. that uh, his the guy who trained where is like his hero the Paul, Paul Trades hero is a Duncan, Duncan Idaho. Idaho. Duncan. <laughs> Duncan Idaho. It's like Herbert, come on, man. That's oh, pretty amazing. So Rotten Tomatoes gave it like eighty three. IMDb's eight point two out of ten, and Metacritic is seventy four. Okay, so yeah, pretty uh, good. I feel like it were generally good reviews, and then the hardcore fans yeah. were critiquing, say probably. Saying like this is exactly what I pictured. What would have made this movie perfect if Captain America showed up? Oh, please. Yeah. kidding, please, kidding, please. kidding! I thought the story was a little light. You know, I thought the the acting was good, but um, I felt like it, it, Dune is just such a. I mean, you've seen the book. It's, it's a thousand big pages, book. thousands of pages, right? And to distill it down into a couple hours, I think it's yeah, it's you're gonna it's miss hard. something, yeah. And so I, I'm glad that they didn't try to over-explain things. That's what I liked about this film. Is they didn't try to like exposition you that to death you know and so i mean i really like the costuming costuming I, was good music was pretty good it was good i don't know if there's yeah. anything i didn't like i just had to psych myself up to watch it i wasn't really wanting to see this big giant epic thing i mean i liked it i'm glad i watched it mm-hmm. but kind of went in thinking okay well i'm gonna watch this it'd be i'm gonna have a good time how many more movies do you think they're gonna make well they've already got part they, two. two part two right part two's she's already started. Yeah, she's ideally the end of the first book i guess correct and there's oh, multiple wow. books and that's the whole thing is 17 that, yeah there's like a lot of 17 books. books it's long and it goes yeah. backwards and Dep- forwards in time too. depending on how well they do maybe they'll just do the ones frank wrote yeah. so you wrote only three of them i couldn't tell you he, did, he didn't write men- we're not booking a beer yeah <laughs> 
So these are. I'd, the, I'd recommend it. The the, the Dune yeah, original it. Dune story was written as two separate serials in Analog Magazine, and then mm. it, then it, they were like, "Hey, this is really well received." So let's. It got a Hugo Award when they slapped it together and published it as a single. Kind of hooked it all together, hooked all the smaller plots nice. and stories together. But yeah, I think the part I didn't like as well is the names, and it's this one at least they tried to stick with hey, you're going to a planet, or hey, these people are from another planet. I have no idea what they're saying. And sometimes there's no subtitles. You're just right. there speaking their language, yeah. and you don't know what they're saying. I, actually, I appreciate that a little bit. I liked it. Yeah. There's this thing in Hollywood where they say if you want to make a really good film, you know, and a lot of films fail at this, but you give, give people two plus two. Don't give them four. Just give them two plus two and let them figure mm-hmm. it out, right? Mm-hmm. I, I really think that... Uh, Villanueva uh, really respected the audience and he let you figure some things out. Mad Max Fury Road does that. Oh, yeah. yeah totally. just oh, drop man. you in. You're like, a bullet farmer? Yes, please. What I don't a, know what his what deal is, film. but that sounds awesome. A, oh, man. What a great film. What other trivia? I mean, I, I had mentioned that... So the film starts with a big, obvious, big sound effect and then some kind of weird throat singing, which is actually the same language that the Sardu car use there's a scene where they have the starter car where they they go to get you know the the five or two or however many uh battalions of troops to come and do the invasion they're doing a throat singing that's how they communicate and it's this hmm. really great sound and that's the cool. beginning very first scene is just a black screen with this text on it and that's actually not in the book and that's kind of like people have been compl- i read some Reddit stuff on that, and it's people are pissed because they're like, "You changed it. That's not what it's about." Hold on, people on Reddit are mad about something. <laughs> no, weird. <laughs> well, I found one that's everything here is like three pages long because it's all like artsy fartsy. But uh, the director saw Baron Vladimir Harkonnen. That's a pretty cool name. Yeah, the Stellan Skarsgård role as a quote unquote rhino in human form. So Skarsgård had spent seven hours a day applying makeup for his role. Oh, and yeah. It says here, I oh, know, as the Baron, I thought it said, and it shows. Because yeah. he's gross looking. <laughs> he's pretty nasty. He's he's a lot more nasty in the first film. Where he's like covered in boils yeah. and that, that was gnarly. Yeah. The second one, this one, you know, I think they just treated him more like just a big person. Mm-hmm. And I, but, but, the thing is, is they didn't focus as much on them. It was the not a lot. Yeah, yeah. Whereas the first film focused a bit more on what they were doing and why they were doing it. Wasn't Sting one of them? Or yes. Sting was... Yes. So, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, Parts of that are coming back to me. There's a scene in this film where it is that same role that Sting had, but it was really short. It oh, my like God. Speaking seconds. of, Sting was considered for a cameo in this film. Oh, my gosh. Wow, that would have been cool. The actor, character ended up omitted from the 2021 adaptation, so yeah. they just didn't have him. I wonder if he's got a director's cut. I'm. I was wondering that, too. I feel like there's... Maybe a little bit more that he probably put out there that he has available. I mean, I, I enjoy... I, although I don't know if the other movies he's done has had a lot of extra footage or not. So what was your favorite scene or what, what was the favorite like visual out of it that you remember? Like uh, The fight with Josh Brolin, the training. Yeah, that was pretty cool. He th- starts off by throwing a knife at him with his back turned. Yeah. This isn't a scene, but I really thought how it opened with that quote, dreams are messages from the deep. Yes. It was really cool. You know, you don't, you don't see a lot of movies open up like that yeah. where they give you a quote and they don't really try to explain it, but it obviously keeps showing up over and over again, yeah. right? And so I think it really anchored the film in something really hmm. deep. And, I, uh, you know, from what I understand, I haven't read the book, but there are really deep spiritual aspects to the book, right? Yes. And so I think uh, the director was really 
tried to honor the fact that this was a deep book, you know, and he's going to do his best to try to share that experience with us. And he did a yeah. good job. They, That's pretty cool. They also, towards the end, when he comes face to face with the sandworm, Shailu, and it's just standing there looking at him. Right. It's just a big worm going, oh, hey, I right. think I like you. Let's not eat you. Right. It's like, oh, okay. Yep. The fight scenes in this were great, though. Every yes. fight scene was really well done. I feel like, do they mention that you have to go slow to get through that armor? In yes. the movie? Mm-hmm. Okay, I didn't catch that. Because I remember it from the book. The slow, blade, like... the slow blade penetrates the shield. Yeah, okay. And that's why when you do see Aquaman fighting in the hallway, and he's just stabbing dudes, and it's still going through, I'm like, is he like slowing down really fast as he's... Mm-hmm. I think that's the implication. Like He's so good at fighting, he just naturally... And that was the thing in the book, was Paul went to fight someone without a shield and kept screwing up. So he's like, oh, I've slowed down immediately. And then got out of the way. He's like, oh, he's slowing down. I can just dodge his blow. Yeah. So the one thing about Dreams and the very fight scene at towards the end of the film, part one, that Paul has to face somebody who he's had dreams about helping him and who has turned around and said, I need to challenge you. And that's actually how he helps him, is by yeah. challenging him and letting right. him wake up and say, I can take a life. And that's, you know, the mom said, he's never killed before. So that's why he's hesitant right. to move. And then he realizes, I need to awaken up. I need to just do it. If this is what, what it takes, I must do it. I need to stick my hand in the scary box. Correct. And the other thing that I liked about that part was, again, the dreams weren't necessarily one-to-one accurate. He no. could choose yeah. to act upon what he right. saw in his mm-hmm. vision. He was dreaming possible futures. Correct. Right. Multiverse much? Whoa. Duniverse. <laughs> I, there's this thing in physics that um, says that as long as, if you can think of something and it doesn't break the laws of physics, then it's actually already happened. Correct. Somewhere mm. in the multiverse, which I've is a crazy that. thought. To think I've, about, I've heard right? that before, too. That's yeah. a great theory. I love that. It's so cool. And I, so I think he was definitely playing with that multiverse theory. And mm-hmm. I'll, it'll be really interesting to see how he takes the next film. You think, is the director doing the next film yes. as well? Yes. Yep. Apparently it's been his plan to do, too, the entire time, wow. if Warner Brothers allowed him. But I'm getting real thirsty. Yeah. All the sand drink? talk has oh, me yeah. think about beers. <laughs> I'm parched. What did we do for beers for this film? Um, I'll, I'll admit, I I guess I committed the cardinal sin. I didn't drink anything while watching this. What? I was I sort did. of recovering from a hangover. So I just kind of <laughs> sipped my water and washed it. Like, I can get through this. Well, let's talk about what the perfect beer would have been. Because this be. is like a multiverse sort of episode, maybe. It's some, in some universe, you already drank the perfect beer and watched this movie. He had the uh, beer before the movie yeah. and then enjoyed it so I guess, while he was I guess a collection movie. of German beers. <laughs> That's yeah. what I was uh, recovering from. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. My suggestion and what I had was a nice pale ale, but the one that I had had a lot of orange. It was a single... I think a citrusy beer could work for this. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. a single hop beer. Not a single malt, but just a single hop. And it was really, really not overpowering. It was sharp up front, a little dry in the mid, and then mm-hmm. just kind of, it lingered a little dry mm-hmm. in bitterness, which I really like. Like mm. orange pithy, like orange, the white part of the orange yeah. peel. Pith that please. Kind of pith please, you know. Mm. That was a nice one. I would have liked to have drank something as well, but I didn't because I went to the Cinetopia in Vancouver and I got tickets for the wrong section. Uh-oh. Ah, beans. So I had water. So you broke out your <laughs> flask. <laughs> but I probably would have had an IPA. I think they have an Elysian. I think an IPA type. would work. But yeah. I think a beer that you don't slam, something you want to sip and something take your you time with. Yeah. Because yeah. it's a, a lot of movie. It's it's almost two hours. Yeah. Yeah. So And there's a lot of slow parts. So if mm. you have to get up and do the bathroom thing, I you're not going to miss anything. I did that. And I was totally fine. You're I, not going to miss a yeah. lot because it's slow pace. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
So, yeah, I mean, I also thought about would a sour or a stout or something that's going to warm up a little bit over time. I don't think a sour would work with this tone. Yeah, it depends on I, the sour. I would, I'm down, but that's my I would have a hard time with it, yeah. yeah. Okay. A I, stout, I, maybe. So a lighter beer, okay. like uh, a Pilsner style or a lighter pale ale or something with a little hop if you like a little I, hop. I think hop. This I just kept thinking watching the spice. I did. I also liked the, the effect of the spice like shimmering in the air. Yeah. Like when you cut, not a great analogy, but when you cut fiberglass and it floats around. Because <laughs> that'll kill you. What kind of beer you think uh, Baron Vladimir Hark? Conan is drinking. That's a stout he's dunking himself in. Yeah, yeah absolutely. He's dunking, yeah, he's like, he's right? That one scene? Don't get it's it. all stout. I, I was like, dude, that to... is pretty gruesome looking. It I think gnarly. it was all, it looked like olive oil, though. though it was, yeah, there's definitely olive oil in that. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> fat, that big man soup. What do you think the official beer of House Atreides would be, Dan? Uh, that would probably be an IPA of some think sort, so? something really sharp. They're from a water planet, right? Yeah. Yeah, piney. Like, like, like a lot, a lot is, of is there a particular beer that uses more water than other beers? Or it's generally no, it's some just, amount of... It's okay. just water. Mm, mm-hmm. Water is your base. If without that, it's not beer. And I'm going to stick with that. All right. I mean, that's fair. <laughs> wow, br- brave stance, Dan. <laughs> I know. If it doesn't have water in it, it's not beer. Whoa. Put that on a shirt. <laughs> <laughs> Yum. Yeah, so I, yeah, so, something takes you all to drink, yeah, I'd, I'd say. Any other trivia? I have some beer things I can talk about, but if we have trivia, I think, you know, for me, my favorite quote, which is also kind of trivia, is, he who controls the spice controls the universe, you mm-hmm. know, which is a funny thing because I don't think that that's actually in the book. It's a line that was written for Buddy, the Buddy, I sure couldn't tell you. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Baron Harkonnen <laughs> said that, and I th- he said it, when he was talking to the emperor and getting the emperor to buy off on them getting the, the two legions of Sadakar warriors. Oh, yeah. I liked any time Javier Bardem spoke because I didn't know he was in this and heard it was like, oh, my God. Yeah, I was, it was kind of shocking because he lent, a, I don't know how you would put it, perhaps a little bit of austerity to the role mm-hmm. instead of just getting some no-name actor like, hey, we got somebody who I think has the gravitas to pull off person who's in charge of that clan. Yeah, know. it's very not aggressive, just smart. Smart and un- untrusting of God, what's the word? Suspicious. Yes. Very suspicious of, of outsiders, of newcomers, people who keep showing up. We want your natural resources. You guys can go piss right off. He was my favorite Bond villain, I think. Yes. You remember that one? Wasn't he the one that pulled his teeth out of his head? I think he was all, so. He, he was all like blah 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 Bond and then teeth out he's all gross looking yeah 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 i think mm. so classic that was gnarly. he's a great actor mm-hmm. love that guy he's been in some pretty gruesome stuff too we, we talked about uh on the last one no country for old men he's uh anton chigurh the one of the most terrifying Ooh. villains i've ever seen yeah you don't want to meet him in a desert god no nope well what else we got what else we got we got you want to play some games? Beer game, rename game, maybe? Yeah, let's do it. I like All this right. plan. So we're going to take a short break and talk about keywords. So if you go to IMDb, there's this thing called plot keywords. If you go to whatever show or movie you're watching, scroll by halfway down the page, you'll get to a section that has a little set of keywords that are circled and then a plus more. And you just click on that and it'll take you to the plot keywords. This entry in this film, you know, it's been around a, at least a few months has 385 plot keywords. And what we do is we pick a beer or what we would name a beer either by someone who would drink it in the film or what we think a good name of a beer would be. Somewhere in the metaverse, there's a beer with this name. Correct. 
as we kind of go through it, let's just do an IPA. Let's just say, hey, we have an IPA because we think all of us agree probably a hoppy pale ale or a nice IPA would go really nice with this film. Yeah. So thoughts on this. Okay. I can't find it on my phone. So I'm I gonna, can't, I'm I gonna can't figure find it out. on my phone either. Well, I'm, okay, IMDb, <laughs> fix your mobile game, dude. Come yeah, on. seriously. Yeah. Okay. Um, or I guess that's silly because Dan's on a tablet. I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I have a few things in mind, but you guys can take We can. Dan, I want to hear what you got. So I'm I'm just gonna cop out and call it sandworm. Ooh, okay. That's that's as you say sandworm, everyone knows what you're talking Ooh, about. Oh yeah, you want some sandworm? Yeah, mm. Beetlejuice. That's like something you'd make in your bathtub. <laughs> Ooh, I, got I mean, some it would sandworm. <laughs> it would be better Y'all than want some sandworms. <laughs> it would be better than like the Quizak Sadarak. So it's like, how yeah. do you a spell that? B, how do you pronounce it when you see it written out? You're like, I don't know how to say that. Yeah, hardcore fans are going to see that and go, yes, this is perfect, but you can never place an order for it. Because they're going to, this is clearly a big typo. Yes. Okay. I'll take number four. Number four, please. I'm going to go really basic and just say Dune Brew. Dune Brew. Dune Brew. (laughs) Nice. I was leaning towards Harkonnen Brew, but that just sounds, I don't want to drink that. How about a little uh, spice production? Dang. Spicy. That's a little pr- spice production. I like it, especially if yeah. that, it's that kind of IPA that has the yeah. uh, peppers that gets brewed Ooh, with. Oh, yeah. Is there a beer with jalapenos, Dan? Yeah, I've, yeah. I've made beer that has peppers in it, oh, as well gosh. as I was just in Las Vegas, and we had a beer that was made with habaneros. Oh, yeah. And it tasted a little too vegetal for us. Oh, really? And that can happen. You're Bummer. using yeah, you know, fresh vegetable, sense. you're putting it at yeah. the end of the boil, or you're doing it as a secondary. It's going to pull that vegetable plant product mm-hmm. that imparts plant flavor. Yeah. You know, the trick is to not get that and get the heat. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good luck. Yeah. To close us out, I, I do want to give a shout out to uh, some of the places that we've gotten beers from and that we definitely, at least I had some from Mac Wine Cellars, which is, you know, over here on Killingsworth. And right You're going to talk about the one where you explained to me what Everfest it was. Yeah. <laughs> this, please. That was amazing. <laughs> I said stuff. fizzy. And Dan just most sarcastically he could type said, that's effervescent. Thumbs up. <laughs> They, yeah, so Tim and Patriot do a good job. They, they've been rotating a lot of their beer selection, which I'm really happy about because it was yeah. pretty stagnant over the summer. It was hard to move product as much as they are now. But, uh, yeah, they've been getting some really great local beers from around the Portland area and from generally, Southwest Washington. So. Generally, if, if someone cans it and there's an interest in it, they'll try to get it. Yeah. Which yeah. I, I appreciate. So go in and talk to them. I mean, we also get stuff from Cerveza and Bridgetown Beer House and some of the other places on this end of town. Uh you know, I, I'm really happy that, you know, some of the, the bottle shops have expanded their cooler selections. And there's even a new bottle shop that went into the neighborhood recently. Mm. You just swing by there. We, I stopped in there like the opening week and they've got some interesting stuff. Uh, nice. I'm going to stop back probably next week and check them out and see if they've gotten their shelves a little bit more straightened up and yeah. see what's <laughs> going on and talk to them about, you know, what what their expectations are for the beer market here in Portland. Cause it's a very ever expanding and waxing and waning lots of good stuff. And then sometimes not so good stuff. See if they're more Harkonnen or Atreides mm. <laughs> or the other ones I can't pronounce. Yes. Be- Benny Jean is Benny Jezeret. All right. So as always, the opinions expressed during the taping of this episode are those of the hosts. And if you don't hydrate, you will surely dehydrate in the hot, hot Araka sun and in the belly of a sandworm. Well, it's not hot in there. It's just grindy. Yeah, totally. (laughs) So uh, thank you all again for hanging out and listening and enjoying our discussion about Dune and perhaps getting some yummy beers to have while you watch it. Mm -hmm. And uh, 
Thanks for listening, everybody. This is Dan signing out. This is Blake signing out. And he who controls the brew. <laughs> Randall signing out. Randall, why are you getting that big tub of olive oil? <laughs> <laughs>